0: and residents of Blue Bay Harbor, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Hey, everybody. And today, Kennedy, you've got a guest for us this time.
1: Yeah, we're joined by my wonderful friend, uh, one of my favorite internet comrades, Corey Archibald, She's the chair of Brand New Congress and also she makes, uh, she's one of the people making Gay Space Cast, an amazing Star Trek podcast full of leftist weirdos just getting into it. And uh, Corey, I'm so glad that you came to join us for this.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much, Kennedy. It's always my pleasure to be on any show that you're a part of. And I would say that uh, full of leftist weirdos is probably the most accurate description to date of. The uh, Gay Space cast
1: uh, <laughs> host lineup. I just know that y'all a lot of times have like a huge panel for your episodes and mm-hmm. have to kind of wrangle everybody. So, you know, but it's super fun. And uh, yeah, it's, it's also like we like to collaborate with people who do similar kinds of podcasts in particular sometimes. So I thought, oh, this is a fit on so many levels um, because, uh, you know, you spend a lot of times sitting around thinking about the deep uh, possible implications of things that happen in Star Trek. Well, what about the deep possible implications of something that happens in a much weirder and more whimsical show, The Power Rangers? (laughs) I love it. Let's do it. So, Corey, what's your experience with The Power Rangers up till now? Well,
2: see, now, here's where I I have to ask if you guys made a really... uh, big error in inviting me on because I, <laughs> I I was I was in high school when Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came on TV in the 90s. And so I never I wasn't like the target audience. I didn't get into it. I had some friends in high school that were into it and I was like, cool man, you do you. But I I just never got into it. I saw like clips here and there. Um kids that I babysat in high school were super big into it. So um, that was basically the extent of my exposure. But in preparation for this uh, this discussion, I did watch a few episodes that you guys that you all shared with me, and also did a little other digging, and um, had a, a chat with my my husband. Let him know I was going to be doing this this show, and I was kind of giving myself a crash course on Power Rangers. And he very seriously looked at me and said. The, the main thing you need to remember is that the green ranger is the best
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and that's uh that's that's the extent of my uh my power rangers
1: experience that's well, awesome hopefully that advice was applicable because ninja storm even though it's many years after MMPR, happens wow. to also feature that's a really cool green ranger so indeed yeah yes
0: it's it's <laughs> <laughs> very, very uh, interesting coincidence for sure. Just because, like, wow, this Green Ranger <laughs> here, Cam, what an excellent character. Kind of came out from out of nowhere. I mean, right from the get go in the intro episodes to this uh, season of Power Rangers, Cam already wore the green shirt. If you knew anything about Power Rangers prior, you knew that Cam was going to eventually become a Green Ranger if he didn't start already as one. Which, yeah. having an unlockable Green Ranger has been a while since that's happened, right? It's been
1: a while. It's been a good while. But, yeah, very consistently, if you wear a certain care- color a lot, all the time when you walk around, you might become a Power Ranger later in the season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Well, yeah, it's it's very interesting to hear from this sort of perspective because typically we'll, we'll have on a, a much younger crowd they never even watched Power Rangers. We're talking like, oh yeah, I might have seen this when I was like five or six on the television screen and it was Ninja Storm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> the years are flying by. <laughs>
1: yeah, so we've had other guests that didn't know the Power Rangers well, but usually it's a Zoomer. So this is, this is a fun difference. For us Gen to have a
2: Gen X for the win.
1: Yeah, a Gen <laughs> Xer who doesn't really know the Power Rangers get to talk about it with us. So let's get into it. So um, let's start with the worst episode, which was Looming Thunder. Now we've been over the fact that Power Rangers Ninja Storm is an astonishingly consistent season overall. So this episode isn't like garbage television necessarily, but. It's a little inconsistent and weird. Just didn't totally fit with everything else that goes on super well.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the episodes that... This is the fourth episode in the season, right? So this is still kind of like sort of adding character development to a bunch of the characters still, like the main trio. This one kind of felt outlandish in a way that like no one in real life would react this way. <laughs> right? Cuz like typically like you'll have characters and whatnot who will act a bit airheaded sometimes but because they have other qualities such as courage, maybe even sort of like a physical attribute that sets them apart from the others. Typically that sort of gets to overcome that, right? But the yellow ranger in this one it was kind of like a very high school-esque episode yeah but then just like where was he at man like in what (laughs) way shape or form would you lose something that is so crucial to your very mission as a power ranger right and then the way that gets sort of treated is just like ah it's whatever but then as we see of course later on in the season it becomes much more well the
2: whole thing just the whole episode just had this Cornball after-school special vibe. Like, you know, I don't know if that's a consistent theme anywhere across the, the the various series, but it definitely just projected this like we're here to teach a moral lesson about responsibility and showing <laughs> up for <to> your friends. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't really
1: resolve into a lesson like it doesn't really it just kind of drops off at the end without the like, and here's what you should have learned from all of that. Instead, it's just like, well, uh, we forgot we ran out of time. Sorry. Uh,
0: (laughs) I don't know where they were going with with this episode, but I think the thing is, is that this sort of like also kind of marks the, the season going for a slightly darker tone, which we'll go over when we cover the plot. Mm -hmm. Um, but for sure, I think this is when it starts to like, sort of defer a little bit because the first two episodes that we saw in the intro were definitely way more lighthearted than a lot of the other power Rangers that we've seen up to that point. And the critics response resembled that where they were saying in the wiki, like, Hey, like the, the, the lighthearted attitude in the beginning was very jarring. It had mixed opinions. And then as the season went on, of course it got much deeper and a lot. Somewhat darker, not too dark, but definitely somewhat darker. Here, I think, is when the the show kind of starts to take a little bit of a turn.
1: But it's not fully realized yet because the characters are still sort of acting goofy and not, like, leaning into, like, the things that make that work
0: later. Right, of course.
2: So I guess I just wanted to kind of piggyback on that point about taking a darker turn. I mean, I jumped in straight. Cold because like I I'm not familiar with the overall season. I just watched these these episodes that you guys sent, and, and you, you know, decided to get was... the
0: worst one out of the way
2: first. Absolutely, I <laughs> I did start with the worst one, and Good. so I you know it was just it was kind of interesting to see that the uh, you know the two characters that were being introduced like were being set up as villains, but then later weren't. That was. That was weird. That was hard to process.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a very common recurring theme on Power Rangers to have characters initially show up and be bad rangers, but then realize that all rangers are supposed to be good and work together. <laughs> 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 so that's, that's what you're looking at here. You know, Star Trek has some... Some characters kind of like that, of course. So. Oh,
2: for sure. Like Rolaren comes to mind. Um, you know, yeah. she's, you know, she shows up in, in Next Generation and she's this, like, everybody can't stand her and, you know, has this bad reputation from things that she's done in the past. And then, you know, by after like a couple of episodes, everybody's all like rooting for her as a member of the team and she's reevaluating her place in the universe. And yeah, there's definitely a bunch of that kind of thing going on in Trek.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what you miss between the worst episode and then the two best, basically, is some of that some of that vibes for Dustin and Hunter or for Hunter and uh, Blake. Sorry I to go back and fill in those gaps.
3: <laughs>
1: it's a good season, uh, so I, I, I can definitely recommend that. So basically, here's what goes on in Looming Thunder. Dustin meets uh, Hunter and Blake. Um, they are the Thunder Rangers, which we already kind of know by this point, more or less. Uh, Hunter doesn't know this. They're sort of pretending to, you know, just be regular teenagers when they're outside of their ranger outfits fighting and causing trouble. So in their regular teenager forms, what do you know? They're also into bike racing like uh, Dustin is. So uh, Dustin starts to befriend them. He's like pretty hype. Also, at the same time, this is a very motorcycle centric episode because Cam is developing the new tsunami cycles which they start to roll out in this episode.
0: Yeah, much like yeah. the Lightspeed Especially Cycles the Lightspeed in Cycle. MMPR, just the uh, motocrossy. They're able to go off-road. Fun, fun appeal yeah. this time around, I would say.
2: I'm a little hesitant to show this episode to my husband because actually um, he's a mechanic and he actually builds custom uh, scooters and motorcycles. And uh, I'm afraid he's going to get some design ideas if I show him this one.
0: Yeah, the the funny part is is that uh, a mechanic becomes a uh, a main villain as the as the season goes on too. So he really might be interested then, and he comes up with his own motorcycle. It's very cool. <laughs>
2: it's it's basically impossible for me to get him to watch anything other than Star Trek with me, but that might do it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> a lot of cool sure.
1: sci fi motorcycles. I mean, that's that's a lot of appeal.
0: And in this case this is when you really see dustin like trying to take it seriously because he's taking the the sort of approach of like well these people are my new friends and i want to hang out with them because they have the same interests as me right so like why would i go hang out with tori and shane who have their own sort of thing going on when i really want to get good at motocross yeah and
1: like something that we'll talk about even more in our season review is like dustin really has to work harder for the thing that he's passionate about than his friends. Whereas his friends are just kind of, like, able to just enjoy their hobbies and get what they want out of it without a lot of effort. Dustin wants to be competitive with this motocross stuff, and it's a struggle for him to get there. And so suddenly having a couple of friends who are like, yeah, Dustin, we'll help you get pro. Like... That's, like, huge for him. Yeah. The Rangers have a fight on their new tsunami cycles. It's actually pretty funny because they just kind of, like, run down these Kelzaks who are on foot,
0: and they're on (laughs) motorcycles. (laughs) Vehicular manslaughter is fun.
1: It it, it feels like it's slightly in opposition to, uh, like, the way the Power Rangers aren't supposed to escalate things. Yeah, you just know? straight up just yeah.
3: wrote them down. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, that's a really good point. That is one thing that I, I picked up on. And shockingly, the uh, people they were running over didn't seem to be terribly scathed by it. So how effective are these, uh, <laughs> these new bikes? Because they just jumped right back up and, you know, started flipping around again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good
1: point, actually. (laughs) A lot of development went into these motorcycles that can't defeat a Kelzak in one hit. Um, (laughs) Or even two. So, yeah, it's a bit of, like, in previous... Okay, so Power Rangers getting motorcycles is nothing new in particular. Like, every third season of the Power Rangers has motorcycles, pretty much. But, yeah, they normally... They'll be like, oh... That villain's in a car. Let's get out the motorcycle. <laughs> you know, not like we're just going to run down these Kelzaks
0: in the woods. No one's around to see. It's fine. <laughs> um, 2003, first first, uh, first term of the Bush years.
2: Oh, is that uh, when this aired?
0: 2003?
1: Yeah. 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bush, I checked Bush out. years, baby. after the fight um is when we've been hinting at this whole thing of the cd that gets lost so this is when cam uh gives dustin this cd and is like hey this has got some specs of the tsunami cycles for you to look over because you know motorcycles so like you know it makes sense for you to check this out now this scene is flawed in a few respects. Not just because Dustin is eventually a knucklehead and loses the CD very easily, but also because this is out of character for Cam. Also, like Cam wouldn't like give sensitive data on just like a CD and be like, "Here you go," to anyone yeah, at yeah, any other he, point in the He's a pretty season. good IT manager. He's not like he keeps... that.
0: <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. Like he's well aware of like data management, right? So like when you get into the business of IT and and I uh, and uh, just managing large scale IT like he does, especially one who manages Zords, like you don't put critical data on a removable disk <laughs> and take it out of the <laughs> out of the business. Like, you just don't do that.
1: No. It's highly illegal,
0: and also can, especially something that's related to your security systems. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely digital security 101 stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there didn't seem to be any reason why he couldn't just be like, yeah, let me let me just set you up at the computer for a couple hours when, when, it, when it's a good time for you, and you can just go over the specs at your leisure and you know, drink a soda or whatever, and I'll stay out of your hair. You know, like like there didn't no, seem Cam, any reason Cam's why that wasn't root.
0: possible. Cam's <laughs> logged in as root a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> he doesn't want to make another user. He's like, no, they'll be able to see my browsing history somehow. Don't want to do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thus, it takes the CD. In the meantime, the Thunder Rangers are having some conflicts with Zergain, which helps to lead to that eventual moment when they stop wanting to work for evil and start wanting to work for good. So Zergain, one of Lothor's lieutenants, he doesn't like the Thunder Rangers and they don't like him. And there's a bit of like back and forth about who should be doing what, what the plan should be. This becomes a reoccurring theme throughout this season for sure too, but this is one of the first times where like we really see a lot of that. We're like, The villains don't know what their plans are. Lothor does not have a clear plan beyond his initial attack. Like, all this cleanup stuff, he was not actually prepared for. It's a lot like the situation in Afghanistan, right? Like, it felt... Going in, it's like, woo! We got this! We're gonna be in and out. Afghanistan's gonna be democracy and shit. It's gonna be so good. And then, you know... Then, you know, Lothor's in Afghanistan years later still. Like, what the fuck? I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Once again, yeah. considering, considering the time that it aired, that, uh, that definitely checks out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very appropriate of its time. Very appropriate.
1: Eventually, the villains decide that they're sending out this thing, the Terra Mole, which is, like, making, like, earthquakes and stuff. Um, The rangers try to, like, catch him, but he keeps escaping by, like, digging into the ground, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Also, Dustin keeps getting distracted by practicing motocross with Blake and Hunter, and he keeps showing up late to stuff. And finally, this turns into an altercation. Um, It's actually a very interesting scene where Dustin and shane get into it and shane's like you're not taking your duties as a a ranger seriously enough and dustin's like hey don't be mad at me just because i have some friends that like are serious about like my passions and motivate me your friends are posers
2: really where the after school special came in came in strong for me like that whole exchange there i was like what what is what is happening in this conversation
0: (laughs) Yeah. This actually hurts Shane's character too even further because Shane was coming off the back of episode two where he basically had to say I'm sorry to his teammates. For, for being like this. Yeah, for being like this. For, for being like way too stressed out about being a Power Ranger and living that double life where the other two are like able to be pretty copacetic about it. Mm-hmm. He's not being a good team leader. In this episode either. No. For someone who is tr- presented to be the team leader, maybe not so much in the Super Sentai version of this, but in the, in the Power Rangers adaptation, the Red Ranger is the leader, typically, throughout the season. So, like, the fact that Shane failed as a leader kind of sort of twice already and then is also stressing out as team member again really hurt him. Yeah.
1: And it, it's just not well realized in this episode. Like it's it's both unnecessary in the larger context of the season, but it's also not well realized in this episode. Like the way he learns the epi- the lesson in episode two was better. So why is he learning this episode? Or sorry, why is he learning this lesson again? But worse, just a few episodes later, doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, this um, conflict with Dustin trying to like make time for the track and you know racing with his racing buddies and also make time to be a power ranger does though lead him to leave the backpack at the track when mole attacks for like the fifth time or whatever and uh, of course what happens Blake and Hunter steal the backpack so that they can take it back to the fortress uh, well the disc specifically and then uh, you know make their own copies of the tsunami cycles the episode basically wraps up with them, like, they play Whack-A-Mole with Terramole, and then Terramole gets big, and they fight him again. They, they win. <laughs> <laughs> so Do I have to specify that? I mean, I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious. I mean,
3: that's isn't
2: <laughs> well, that how the-
1: all the episodes end? Mostly. Not always. But it seems like the kind of thing that I should only specify when that's the exception, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the the crazy thing about this episode, though, is that, like, the way it ended was Cam's asking Dustin, yo, where's the disc? And he's like, oh, bro, my backpack, bro. And I'm just like, that's so, like, super plot convenient. And the fact that Cam doesn't, like, murder Dustin over this is <laughs> and huge. And
1: also, if you're wondering, Corey, especially, you don't know, if you're wondering, does this conclude with Dustin eventually realizing, wait, the only people that could have taken my backpack are Blake and Hunter. They must be the Thunder Rangers. No, they figure it out another way, and they never figure out the backpack thing. Mm-hmm.
2: So they just show up later with Thunder Cycles, and they're like, hmm,
1: that's convenient, where'd that come from? They're, no, they're just like, oh, they got his backpack somehow, that's crazy! And they wow. never, they never put piece together the mystery.
0: Yeah, which I think <laughs> is honestly like the Lynch point for the the episode, right?
1: Right. But here's the
0: thing: that episode in particular, as much as we're like we're kind of ragging on like the plot holes that are in this episode, it's still like a six out of ten. It's still pretty enjoyable television.
1: It's still okay. Like I mean, I might not rate it quite as high when we finish here, but still, like it's still. Oh okay. my god! We've we've watched some stuff that was very bad in seasons of the
0: power rangers and this I think,
1: isn't really that it's just like what is this
0: i think the lynch like the linchpin to that episode definitely was the fact that like they never pieced it together even in future episodes when they discuss this just a mystery forever but still lothor is interesting the parts where it is kind of bad it's still interesting to watch it's not boring by any means and it's yeah. not like interesting in an offensive way right <laughs> It's more or less just like Damn, Dustin, you really that much of an airhead dog? <laughs> but also like everybody else is kinda sorta literally out of character. But the the thing is is that Lothor and Zergain, like those when when the Rangers aren't doing so well, the villains seem to like really like amplify the episode beyond where it mm-hmm. would normally
1: land. Yeah, the right? villains help carry this episode a little bit and it uh It just helps keep it on track when it would otherwise be maybe even more of a disaster. But it's just just weird and sloppy and feels unnecessary in a season that is otherwise pretty tight, so...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the
1: sloppiest. After that, we get into our best. Now, this is actually interesting because we had to talk about what was going to be our picks for best a lot. And are we going to have a lot of picks? You know, are we going to have just a few? Um... Because there were so many episodes that intrigued us, but ultimately, the Samurai's journey, and in particular, the end of it, was so over the top, wild and crazy, and like some of the most just fun and fantastical Power Rangers we've seen in a long time, that we had yeah. to lean into the idea of emphasizing this as the crown jewel of this season. So. Yeah,
0: and I I wanted to to talk about this a little bit with some added context of like, I was hyped for this when I was a kid, but I remember, because I really loved part two. Like part two, I was like, oh oh my god, it's so cool. Because I knew it was coming, because I was already a Power Rangers fan at that point. But I was like, oh my god, right? That was awesome, but then I also remember, like, we picked part three as well as our favorite, so it was part two mm-hmm. and part three. And I remember when part three came on, I remember going, "I'm disappointed." <laughs> but I think now, watching it within the context of the season and me not being like a uh, a twelve year old kid or eleven year old kid being like, "Oh, I want something dark and edgy or whatever," right, like. Now I have the appreciation of the camp factor and that that sort of like lightheartedness in the show as well, and it's not as lighthearted as like the beginning of this season. No, but not uh, still, still, it it does introduce a bit of camp here. And I was I, I remember as a kid, I wouldn't appreciate it as much as I do now, for sure. So yeah,
2: I, w- I was gonna say like there's not it, it's a pretty serious pair of episodes that you guys picked for the the two best. Um, So there were definitely light-hearted moments that the tone overall is very serious.
1: Yeah. So this is actually a three-parter, but the first part is kind of slow and inconsequential for the most part. Like, the only thing that really ultimately matters is when Cam finally goes through the time portal. So, like, and everything basically just builds up to that. To just really, really quickly, for the <laughs> sake of coherency, in us talking about this, bre- like, recap. Part one. Basically, the gist of it is just that Lothor sends a monster that steals a bunch of the Rangers' powers, and they're able to briefly restore their powers, but it's not enough. And Cam steals really- their
0: powers by stealing their primary color. By the way, yeah, he steals the color from their life. We need um- to steal their color. <laughs> it's like we need a pri- We need a monster who could pro- who could steal the primary colors. And they were like, yeah. <laughs>
1: And it's like a little like a green candle situation or something. But but that part's not that important. What ultimately matters is just that the Rangers don't have their powers. Also, Cam really, really wants to be a Power Ranger. He's been telling his dad this for many episodes. Finally, at the end of part one, Cam's dad agrees that there's probably no choice. But for Cam to go back in time and get the lost... Power like Green Ranger power that his mom used to have, which they don't say explicitly that that's what it is, but it's pretty, pretty damn obvious that that's what's happening, and that leads us into part two where things really start to get good. So Cam arrives in the past, and he's at the Wind Ninja Academy, but you know, years ago when his dad, the Sensei, was a student, and like his mom was a student and everything. And so he starts encountering like the younger versions of his parents, and he also meets this uncle that he's never heard of before. Huh? Isn't that interesting? I have a mystery uncle that I don't know anything about. And my dad's never mentioned even one time. Hmm.
0: Also, <laughs> the so this has uh, this has weird like transracial implications. So. Ham's father, in the beginning of the show, is black, potentially? Like, we're not really sure. The biography of the actor is not very well detailed. And it seems like he's only really did this part.
1: I looked into it as much as I could. It seems like he might be Maori. But
0: yeah. I don't want to say with authority,
1: because I I did not find definitive information.
0: But... In in back in time, he his father's light skin.
1: <laughs> yeah, his father is like Japanese. Yeah. In the in the past, it's a very and then
0: Lothor, it... <laughs> Lothor too, Lothor is a light skinned Asian who definitely turns dark skinned Maori over time. So like what? <laughs> <laughs> And also, like, Lothor has, like, a a talisman and has a Mexican luchador mask. So, like, (laughs) what is up? And then on top of this, the sensei from the Wind Academy (laughs) is black. (laughs) So, I guess when you just become a master in martial arts, you become black. (laughs) I
1: suppose. I don't know what It's a very weird... I mean, it's fine, but it's also kind of funny because you have them sort of leaning into a certain kind of, like, kung fu movie stereotype with Cam's parents in the past, but then the sensei in the past is, like, this black guy from Boston that looks like like a, a, a high school principal and is like, now listen, students, we gotta learn. Yeah. We gotta learn ninja stuff, and it's just like totally like has like no sort of put on accent, and it's just like which is good in a way, but it's also just the whole thing is like so what is happening to some extent <laughs> with the casting i yeah, don't know. It, like...
2: it, it was is it, it was definitely a confusing production choice because uh, it, like for me coming in completely like unfamiliar with with the context. like it was so clear that they were setting up certain elements of the story about the ninja school to be like super traditional. And they even talked about, like, oh, there's never been a woman student here when when his mom is revealed. But like then there's these other elements that just don't fit at all. And it's that's not explained. Like you're just supposed to, except that, like, this is, I guess, some kind of alternate universe where that is part of the tradition. I don't know. I didn't get it.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, that's a, that's one of the most confusing parts, is, like, this is a, a ninja academy that is apparently racially integrated to the point where it's not even a thing that needs to be discussed. It's not weird at all. And their sensei, you know, can be a black person, which is great. That's awesome. But on the other sure. hand, they're like, we've never had a woman student before. What? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's a really interesting uh, this is really interesting things to read In yeah because th- this <laughs>
0: only goes back to like 20 years ago right because cam at best is like maybe 25 26 yeah so this is like maybe 27 28 years ago but gender equality wasn't a thing in the wind ninja academy and uh, they still used horses as like primary means of transportation <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: a great
2: point so so, so let me ask you this, like in the the world of power rangers does it take place in our present day or is it in the future or in the past no, like how is it lined like up
1: whatever year it comes out in so the okay in general at least and so this season takes place in 2003 so that's even weirder then yeah <laughs> So yeah. in, in in 1983, the Wind Ninja Academy allowed women to enroll for the first time.
2: Well, yeah. Honestly, okay, so maybe that's not as weird as I thought. Because honestly, if you think about like current cultural standards, I mean, they're even as recently as shoot probably less than this but like let's say 10 years ago there were still golf clubs that like didn't allow people of a certain races or you know jewish descent to to be members like
1: i guess that's crazy yeah i mean uh
2: not like racism's gone anywhere but you know or sexism but it's still like we still have novelties of like first woman admitted to do this first you know black person to do that like
1: True. It's I think it's that kind of thing, thing still happened Granted, that like things like uh, like sure, like women's MMA now is not generally treated as like a big joke. But growing up, women's boxing was a joke. Yeah, like that was not yeah. like a serious thing from the outside. But then, of course, for the women doing it, it was as serious as it gets, and they were extremely frustrated to not be taken seriously. So
2: I was just gonna say, women's athletics in general are still very, and i I am not an athlete, so don't at me. But, you know, just just noting for um, for the audience that like women's athlete athletics in general are still definitely treated as othered. And, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, like as recently as just a few months ago, um, the uh, what was it like an Olympic training camp or something like that? They said they had like they showed the difference between the workout facilities that had been set up for the men's team. And the workout facilities that have been set up for the women's team and like the, the the dudes had like this all out gym and like all this fancy equipment and anything you could possibly imagine. And the women, it was like, here's a yoga mat and a set of dumbbells. Here you go, ladies. And <laughs> I mean that was like a couple of months ago. So this definitely this attitude is definitely still pervasive. So yeah, not that hard is. to believe that the eighties would have been the first time that they had admitted a female student.
1: You know, so, the more so we talk Disney about 4D it, actually test makes about it. Sense.
0: <laughs> Disney yeah, 4D but. test us. <laughs> 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 it's funny though, because like, you know, just to put it to context of all the Tokusatsu that we've seen, when we watched Santo and the Blue Demon versus the Monsters, that movie opened up with women wrestling in the match. You know, there was still was some like sort of woke misogyny 70s style. <laughs> But like, still, that like, I was just like, wow, you know, a WWE movie would never do that. Yeah, and th- these were like women who were weren't like trying to like show off like their pretty outfit or whatever. It was like women just like throwing on a mask and going at it in the ring, you know? Yeah, so
1: throwing <laughs> elbows and shit.
0: Yeah, like as our friend Marcos <laughs> or Ruben was talking about, like they're so left their body. <laughs> 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 Seeing this here, I guess it does make sense in that sort of country club style way. I, I, didn't, I didn't take that into consideration. Because it is sort of like, if you join the Wind Ninja Academy, it's not something you're necessarily like birthed into as like a birthright, like, right? Yeah. It's not like a clan sort of thing. It's definitely something that you kind of like a role as like an elective to take in life.
2: Yeah. This is something that we talk about in Gay Space Cast a lot, which is to evaluate the different series that we're talking about uh, within the context of their time. So it's really easy for for us, like here and now, 2021, to look back on the original series and go, wow, is that super sexist (laughs) and boy, is that mega racist stuff that happened in even next generation and and even since then. But when you look at it in the context of its time, you know, it doesn't it doesn't forgive it, but it certainly makes sense that what was like cutting edge in that moment um, is uh, in 20 years later has a, a very different view.
1: Yeah. In that time, showing that moment of integration might have actually been its own little statement when you really yeah. when you really contextualize it because like like we're saying like it was still there was still like i mean there's still a long ways to go to be clear but it, yeah, back then in particular it was still like very much an active and ongoing issue for some of that stuff to be integrated at all or for women to be taken seriously if they wanted to do certain kinds of things and again to be clear still very much the same today to a large extent but some things heaven proof. At least you can go to the Wind Ninja Academy now. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> Dreams can come true.
1: <laughs> so Cam's back in time. He's meeting his family. Um, Cam discovers that his mom Miko has the, the green samurai amulet and he gets the chance to kind of get to know her a little bit and talk to her about it. And he's pretty tactful in how he handles this. Like, he's obviously, like, overjoyed to get a chance to meet his mother who he never really knew. But he's also, like, I want to not, like, fuck up the timeline or, like, be weird or, like, blow this in any particular way. Like, I want to just, like, do what I need to do here and also get to, like, spend five minutes getting to know the mom I never knew, you know? Uh, And it's very, like you were saying before, Corey, like it's surprisingly serious and it's like fairly heartfelt overall. Like it's handled pretty well and it's like, dang, like, this is really interesting. Who hasn't experienced a tragedy like that and then wondered about, you know, being able to like find out more about that person that you never knew or something like that? or. You know, I think I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of feeling. So I think there was a lot of catharsis in Cam's storyline to after all these hints of the tragedy to have it come face to face like this.
2: Yeah, no, I, I it's interesting that you raise that point in particular, because that that might have been why it resonated with me. My um my grandmother on my mother's side passed away just a couple of months before I was born. And um, I'm my middle name is named after her. And I've been told my entire life that I'm of everybody in the family that I'm the most like her, that I even look like her and even like photos of us are like really, really similar. So yeah, I definitely would. uh, I've grown up on stories about my grandmother and I, i would love to have had an opportunity like that to be able to go back and, and meet her or to still have her be a part of my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really it really is pretty touching as Cam like tries to squeeze in a few moments with his mom. However, the fun gets cut short as he's accused of stealing the green Samula samurai amulet. And at first it's not even clear for sure Did he do it or not? Because we see this person steal it. That could be Cam. But also could be anyone. He's pretty heavily disguised. Uh, However, Cam is accused. He's about to get in some kind of serious trouble. And he's basically drugged before everyone. And uh, he doesn't seem to have any real way to defend himself all that much. But then, what do you know? His father... Hanoi steps forward, and Kia, the uncle, the never-before-mentioned uncle, is the true thief who has stolen the samurai amulet. It also turns out that Kia has been dabbling in the dark arts, which, as you know, will get you expelled from Hogwarts. (laughs) (laughs) Not even once. Not even once, okay? That's right. Kia and Cam end up in a battle for the amulet and Cam starts to slowly realize what all this means as this is happening in terms of like what happened with his family and what who Kia might be in the future (laughs) this fight is pretty wild like yeah they're fucking throwing spells and shit it's crazy yeah There's a lot of kung fu. There's a lot of spells. They really pump the budget up for these scenes in particular. The choreography is pretty good. Like, it's just pretty impressive overall. I I was surprised.
0: What are the rare episodes where they're like not morphed, but the fighting itself is so good, right?
1: Yeah. I'll say too, like, I was a little nervous because going into the fight, there's like a slightly, there's like a slightly cheesy moment where Kia is like, my, my battles with this weird new kid that I don't know. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know about that. That was a weird one. But, but but then as like, it actually gets into the fight. Like, I was a little worried like, oh, is this fight going to be cheesy? But then the fight was actually cool and the drama starts to really heighten. So it was pretty exciting. and. Finally, the good kids working together beat up Draco and say, you know, get out of here. And he says, I'm going to go be an evil wizard forever. Evil wizards are cool. Dark magic (laughs) rules. Which is like, I'm paraphrasing a lot, but he really does give this whole speech about how like Ah. dark magic is what's real. You guys have no power. You're idiots.
2: I didn't even want to be part of your stupid club.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The sensei at first is just going to kick him out of the academy, but then banishes him from the earth after all of that dark magic talk. Cam realizes, oh shit, because as Kia is about to go, he goes, fine, you don't want me. Oh, and for some reason, when you get kicked out of Ninja Academy, you lose your name. Um, And so he's like, fine, you don't want me? I don't need that stupid name or this stupid academy. My new name is Dun 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 Lothor! Oh.
0: This is when you realize <laughs> holy shit, the main villain of the show is
1: Cam's uncle. And that's why Cam didn't know. They don't really get into this in these episodes, but I do like, by the way, that Cam does confront his father about this. and it It's like, hey, yeah. You probably should have told us this. And his yeah, dad's like, like Yeah, actually. I I probably should have. <laughs> and just admitted. Like, he, <laughs> he didn't
0: know if uh he didn't know if it would disrupt the timeline at all, probably.
1: Yeah, he had some reasons, but he does admit that he was wrong and he should have he should have come clean. Which I think is good. I think that's a good like there's a lot of good stuff with Cam and his dad, actually, and, like, Cam's family dynamics throughout the season, so that's actually, like, a surprisingly just generally good, like, B-plot throughout the season is, like, Cam and his dad working through their issues.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, actually, I really enjoyed their, their relationship. I think over here it was another sign of, like, hey, they're actually, like, trying to have some bonding, you know, versus, like, sensei just barking orders and or like even like a sort of zordon alpha five approach right yeah it's much more than that
1: yeah it's more than that by this point especially I'm starting to make a comment about
2: uh cam being so much more um responsible about the the timelines than literally anybody in track
1: <laughs> yeah is yeah Cam like a remarkably good steward of the timeline
2: I mean, and he's young too, right? You he, he said he's like like mid late twenties, right? Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Right. So like you got you got freaking you know Picard and and you know all, all just basically any of the Star Trek captains who are all like my age at least. I'm forty four. You know, they're all at least in their forties, if not right later, by the time they're <laughs> and they're just like right, like Kirk just as they say in Deep Space Nine. That man was a menace, <laughs> you know. But this this uh, this young kid just like steps back into a time portal, meets the mother that he never got to know, and he's just so cautious and and conscientious, and and they didn't even like address that in the narrative of the episode, which I thought was was interesting, and it certainly to me as a casual new viewer um, telegraphed a lot about his character.
0: Yeah, realistically, we've only had two other instances of time travel. One of them was Time Force, which that that fell apart. Uh, when it came to a very specific relationship in that show. Although and then, they
1: did at least to an extent embrace in Time Force the idea that they changed the timeline. So they did at least lean in a little. Yeah. Which helped. But
0: uh, the first time around that they did this, they left a clone of Tommy in the past who eventually... He is his own father, I suppose, Not in that father, way. Not like great
1: grandfather or something.
0: Yeah, great 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 grandfather. Great
1: they did mm-hmm. a well, grandfather a... paradox. Yeah, there's a bit of yeah, a but grandfather it's like a clone.
0: paradox with Tommy. So he gets to even more complicated. Um, <laughs> and then Adam also wanted to like bring someone from the 1800s into the modern day, just to spend the rest of their lives together.
2: Uh, isn't that the isn't that the plot of Back to the Future three?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh it other Power Rangers have not been good time stewards. Put it to you that way, that's for sure. Fair,
2: fair enough. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> well and
2: that makes that makes Cam's conduct even more commendable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very impressive. So in part three, um Cam comes back to the present. And he explains to the other Rangers what's up. Also, before he comes back, he reveals for the first time that he is the chosen one for the samurai powers and is able to use them. And his mom, he tries to give the amulet back, but his mom tells him, Listen, I don't know that much about you, but we seem connected. And also, the amulet has chosen you, so take it. So Cam comes back to the present. He's got. Badass ranger powers the the green samurai ranger suit looks cool as hell He just generally like cam has proven that even before he had ranger powers He could hold his own in a fight. So as a ranger he immediately starts just whooping ass and showing that he's all about it um, Which is fun Um, But yeah, so cam comes back and he explains to everybody Hey uh I found out about Blothor, he's actually my uncle, and tells them about it, and they're like, damn, that's
0: um and his
1: dad is kind of cold about it and is like, uh, we banished him and he does your uncle doesn't exist anymore.
0: Yeah. the the cool thing about Cam's new powers that I really enjoy is I love the suit design. The suit design is so fucking cool. Top like two. He- he looks AMAZING. So And then, when he's on the ground, not only can he whoop ass when he's in that form, but then he does this whole, like, piccolo-throws-off-the-tunic type shit. And it's like a weighted tunic, so it fucking crumbles the ground underneath it a bit. (laughs) And then he swipes his visor on the top part of his helmet, and it, like, turns back around. Into an alternate helmet design. (laughs) And it makes him more like agile, I suppose. And he starts like, he busts out this katana and starts kicking ass. It's awesome.
1: Honestly, they really don't take advantage of that power swap enough. But anyway, it's very fun. Is he the only one that has it? Yeah, he's the only one who has anything like that this season. It's totally different than anybody else.
0: Yeah, which is an interesting toy decision, too, right? Because you could theoretically have multiple toys that have, like, helmet visor swaps.
1: Also, it's interesting, too, (laughs) because traditionally (laughs) for several seasons now, (laughs) the way you get stronger is through something like a battleizer, which we even have this season, which makes you bulkier. It adds more, you know, more parts come on, Um. Cam, like you say, it's like the piccolo thing, he that armor is a limiter. That's there to make sure he doesn't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Cam is like in uh, uh Frieza in Dragon Ball. My Super, sword, it lusts. Where for he's, blood. Like, he's like, I finally trained one time, check this out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And, and like five minutes in the simulator I know
3: kung <laughs> fu. <Yeah. laughs>
1: so unfortunately <laughs> the rangers only get to celebrate Cam's new powers briefly because Lothor ambushes him and the other rangers except the other rangers still don't have their powers back so uh, they have to all work together and really rely on Cam kicking ass for a little while while they like kind of stall for time so that they can uh, restore their powers. There's a definitely an element of like, you know, the powers are always inside you. It's not about the... You know, which, <laughs> <laughs> the Power Rangers. They love to do that shit. <laughs> 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 Things get pretty intense because like Lothor really ups the heat a bit here. And sends, like, a lot of minions down. But the, the rangers get their powers back just in time. They start to uh, kind of, like, turn the tide on everything. Except they ultimately don't. And it ends, this, this entire three-part arc ends with a cliffhanger. How wild is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Cam has just gotten his powers. And he gets attacked by an insect who seems to be disrupting his power, an insect monster who seems to disrupt his powers, right in the final moments, Just as they think, we've got our powers back, we've got Cam, it's the end of a three-part arc. Surely everything's going to resolve now. No. Uh, And it's actually, it's kind of a great way to leave things off, because it keeps the tension really high. Uh, It could have been really easy for this end of Cam's arc to feel like, well, Rangers are set now, but this, like, immediate cliffhanger helps to prevent that.
0: Much stronger, too. Because I remember when we watched the insect episode, I was like, this was, I didn't like this when I was a kid. I didn't (laughs) like that in in, the insect episode because it was so light. Like, it it was very campy in that one. Whereas the samurai's journey was kind of like, We're like the fucking Matrix, dude. And like, you know, just like typical like action movie of its era style deal. Right. And for all that sort of tropes and stuff like that, it is it is still really cool in the year 2021 on how some of that plays out. Right. Especially when you get to look at it through the right like, hey, this is the year 2003 lens. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it played out really well um and when it encapsulates it like this in the sort of three-parter it makes it that much tighter and it keeps the story engaging all throughout i thought this was fantastic i loved i love this origin story for cam and it seems like not only was cam a good custodian but also his father seemed to be a good custodian of time it was very respectful of the timeline here yeah I guess I'm a bit of a geek like that. I love it when people are like that, you know? It prevents, like, hey, if they did this back then, wouldn't this completely, like, destroy this in the future? Or something like that, you know? Or it's like, here, everybody's like, yeah, I played it really close to my chest, and I had to deal with the consequences of doing that. Yeah. Of course, as we figure out later on in the season, Lothor had his reasons on keeping the timeline the same, too. But, um... Yeah, everybody kind of played their part here and the story was great, the action was great. Uh his Zord is a Samurai star Zord that Cam ends up getting. But Pretty like fun. Cam becomes more like more of like a his technology upgrade that he gets with the samurai powers along with it is really cool too. Like he gets his own helicopter that he pilots. That has its own like joystick in it too. It's like Green Ranger style <laughs> joystick. The I helicopter won't.
1: thing is crazy.
0: I need a flight stick <laughs> that's like that. <laughs> right? Ninja Storm Green Ranger uh, flight stick. Hasbro, make it happen, please. <laughs> <What? sighs> Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> and we're just talking <laughs> like it's a part of the Power Rangers on there.
1: <laughs> well, this is, uh, these were some very wild apps. Let's, uh, Let's rate them.
0: So, Looming Thunder, I said was a six. Uh, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. It was still an entertaining episode, as like I think we've said this for other seasons too, where we're always kind of amazed when the worst episode is like barely bad. This is one of those times. I think it wasn't, it was kind of hard to pick a worst one uh, of this season and this just so happened to be the worst one because even the second worst one that we were thinking about picking within the context of the season just wouldn't quite work right either so it was kind of like we needed to pick someone and this was like the weakest of the bunch i still thought it was great i thought it was at least a six um lothor and the villains really do pick it up where the rangers sort of fall i do think that that moment between dustin and shane when dustin was calling out his friends for being posers that was very interesting character development. Unfortunately, it hurt Shane a lot because Shane didn't get a comeuppance until way later in the season. Way later. Um, so, you know, but that's not to say that that scene was bad. I think that scene was great. Um, it could have added maybe a little bit more of like, hey, maybe in episode two or three, like have Shane's friends actually be like shitheads. That way we get further context into that sort of stuff. But we didn't. And then the end plot line, of course, ended up sort of not mattering either. Realistically, the reason why this episode would be a part of the, the non-filler guide, the all-canon guide, basically, is that it introduces the tsunami cycles. And that's an arsenal introduction that needs to be in there, point blank. It you can't just go around and being like, hey, this is my too. new motorcycle that flies through the air. Like, it's no big deal. Like, hey, where'd you get it? Like, that's a huge part of the Power Rangers, you know? Yeah. Um, As for the best, uh, I had a fun time. These are like nines, I would say. You know, I I think that they were really well-kept episodes. Uh, Cam is freaking sweet as hell. Love him so much. Um, I like the backstory. I like the origin story. Uh, A couple of the other, like, sort of like, hey, Power Rangers has this thing where they really don't know how to measure time that much because they'll say something's 100 years ago and then be like, here's the British still ruling over America, right? (laughs) Uh, And they do a bit of that here too. Um, But hey, you know, it's great. Cam sells it, I think is the big point, right? Mm -hmm. Because if Cam had faltered in any of those scenes with him in it, it wouldn't be nines or tens despite Cam, right? It would be like somewhere less than that. And I think Cam really sells the performance here. Yeah. Uh, so I give these nines easy.
1: I think for me, I'll let Corey go last and be nice to our guest this time. I, I, uh-huh. I think for me, Looming Thunder is like a five. I'm slightly harsher on it, not because I really strongly disagree with anything Grav said. I think that there's something like glaringly worse. I just also thought it was just, in general, kind of unfun to watch. And... I can't really get past that, so it's like, yeah, it's okay, and I didn't hate everything about it, and I liked a few scenes, but it's really not past a 5 for me. I'm almost even tempted to say it's like a 4 or a 4.5, but I don't really want to be that harsh, because it's like, there's also nothing so bad about it, it's just like, meh, pretty boring television. Um... The other two, okay, part two of Samurai's Journey is like an 11. Breaks the scale a little. Um, It's just so good. It's really whimsical and over the top, but it works. The payoffs continue to be worth it in that episode, even when it's like the setup starts slightly cheesy, so like you can
0: forget. I feel like if I rewatched it, I would be at, at where you are at. <clears throat> That's where I feel like. I feel like I would definitely like re-pog and be like, okay, wait, this is actually like a 10. Because I, I have a feeling that that is the case, where it's just like, was the action like, fantastic, fantastic? And I'm like, yeah, it kind of was. And the storytelling
1: like, was really good. It was really solid. It, there was just a lot to like there. So that that was a really strong episode. <laughs> Um, And then part three, probably more like a nine or a 9.5, but still really good, really enjoyable and just really leaves you wanting more. That's that's where I stand. So, Corey, how do you rate them?
2: So keeping in mind that I I came into all these episodes as an absolute novice about yes. Power Rangers, apart from like being aware that they existed. I am definitely gonna go harsher on *Living Thunder because I could not get past the after-school special vibes. Like there's that whole <laughs> bit of dialogue where um, there's that whole scene where Hunter and Blake are like, "Like, oh, Tori, she's still so fine. And like that, you know, that guy's a loser. And like, it was just so, it was so <laughs> heavy handed and just made me like die a little inside. Yeah. And so yeah the motorcycles are cool that's great um you know self-driving semi also fun but like man i just i could not get past the after school special vibe it was, it was harsh so i'm gonna give it a four out of ten um and for the other for, for the samurai's journey i'm gonna give both of those a 10 out of 10 because as a novice viewer I was immediately pulled into both of those episodes and was able to kind of follow the characters and like appreciate like the relationships. And it wasn't so like to me, you know, taking account for the fact that this is a show written for a younger audience, obviously, and production values from a long time ago. Like, it, it wasn't like in my face, like, you know, here's the moral lesson we want you to take away from this interaction. It was. It was just a, a good story and and I I thought um the characters were really well done and the execution was excellent and the special effects in the fighting were really tight. So uh, for me those are both 10s out of 10.
0: Awesome. Um I'm glad holy. you enjoyed it so much. Yeah, then, really in glad. fact, you
2: guys have inspired me. I'm going to go back and start watching Power Rangers now. <laughs> and,
1: yeah, that's always the question is will will you go back and watch some more after this experience so that's that's exciting you're already
2: yeah no absolutely i'm down i'm down for it in fact let me ask you this so like for someone who's starting off for the first time and i don't care about spoilers so like you know i'm not the kind of person that's gonna get like all bent out of shape if i learn something and then go back and watch an earlier thing where do you recommend that people start when they're just getting getting started
0: um, for me, I think the best season to get started with is uh, Lightspeed Rescue, uh, just because I think tonally it's more, it's a bit more consistent than Ninja Storm is, but Ninja Storm is also another great one to get people started on. Time Force, although I, Kennedy and I ranked it pretty high, in my opinion, Time Force is better when it's followed up after Lightspeed, just because they do crossovers between the seasons, and uh, Lightspeed mm-hmm. in particular crosses over with Time Force.
1: Yeah, and Time Force in general, I just feel like you're going to like that one more if you've watched a few other seasons first. Whereas, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think Lightspeed Rescue, especially more and more, like, the further we get from our review of it, that's really a great season to jump into. It's fairly standalone. You don't really need to know anything. Um, But uh, you will like learn enough about the way the Power Rangers operate by watching that season to like have an appreciation for it as a whole to watch more kind of thing.
0: That's good. Yeah. I think it. if there's anything that Ninja Storm nailed was the Power Rangers vibe. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For sure, like they, they nailed like the capturing of the feeling of of Power Rangers. More so than like what Power Rangers actually is or something to that extent. Um gotcha. But you'll just you'll just have to wait and see uh, when you listen to our uh, Power Rangers Ninja Storm review. <laughs>
2: I'll do that. I will do that.
0: All right. Corey, uh, what do you have going on and where can people find you on the internet?
2: Yeah. No, thanks so much for having me today. So I am one of the co-hosts of Gay Space Cast, Gay Space Communism, or, or Gay Space Cast on Twitter. Um, definitely check us out there. If you are into sci-fi, if you're into Trek... It's definitely a show that caters to people that are deep into Trek, but you don't have to be a Trek expert to appreciate it. Because what we do is we talk about the future that Trek promises us and how we get there, both politically and socially. So we um, we actually have some super interesting guests that are coming up soon. We've got somebody coming on uh, an episode coming up uh, to talk about artificial intelligence. And in uh, personhood. And um, we've got an episode coming up with uh, someone who's a, an, an economist who talks about how like money works in the Trek universe. So you don't have to be a Trek expert or to have like a deep knowledge of uh, of, of all the different Trek theories to appreciate the conversations that we have. Um, definitely go and check that out at Gayspace Gathbase, Cast on Twitter uh, and you'll find all of our links there. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at um, C.M. Archibald, and um, I'm also linked in the, uh, the profile for the Space cast, if that's easier for you all the
0: Awesome. We're so glad to have you on. I'm not too big of a Trek fan myself, just because I got introduced to it the worst way possible. But uh, I, for sure, I definitely think that the Star Trek, essentially, is just uh, Power Rangers of the future.
3: <laughs>
0: just they're in a post-capitalist society at that point, huh?
2: <laughs> well, that's part of what we discussed is whether or not it actually is post-capitalist.
0: No. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Corey. And we'll see you guys next time on Sentai Truther Club. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.